I want to start with two key questions that no matter what you take away today, whether you remember anything we talk about, this is something for your life, whatever you read, whatever you encounter, wherever you go. And so the two questions are this, God, what is it you are wanting me to learn? And I I think we've got them on screen as well. God, what is it you're wanting me to learn about you in the middle of this? And God, what is it you're wanting me to learn about myself? Two questions. God, what do you want me to learn about you? God, what is it I need to learn about myself in the middle of things? To learn and change. And uh, I want to pray with you as we kind of get into this today. It It was a unique scripture. I was in my quiet time about a week ago in the morning, and I was reading through the Gospels, and God just stopped me, and he said, this, this is the passage I want you to talk about. I said, okay. Okay. So let me pray with you. Heavenly uh, Father, as we just look at your word today, and we talk about sometimes the unexpected things. Maybe we talk about um, how to unpack some of the stuff that we've encountered. Um, help us to see our own hearts. Help us to see things about you, about us, about maybe how we have seen things, how we believe things that you want to change, you want to bring fresh. Uh, And God, you do that because you see something more for us. You see something more for our families. You see something more for our church community. You see something more for the communities we're a part of to be impacted. So just ask for your heart today, your insight in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some things I might reference your notes occasionally, but I want to read these two scriptures to you. The first one I'm going to go to is in John. And this is uh, John chapter 1, and it's John the Baptist. He's, he is baptizing and calling people to repentance in John chapter 1. And it says they approached him and they said, are you the Messiah? He said, I am not. They said, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He said, no. Verse 22, finally they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And this is John describing himself. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And I'm going to jump right down to verse 29 in John chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me, who has surpassed me, because he was before me. Now that is a lot of words in a short sentence. The one who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man who you see the Spirit come down on and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 34 of John 1, this is John the Baptist's summary. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In Matthew, it records 
uh, in the other Gospels, this, this is Jesus coming down and being baptized. And, and this is our introduction. John the Baptist gets an incredible experience of seeing what he has been called to do come to fruition. He sees Christ come. But if you go to Matthew 11, and I'm going to read this to you as well. Not long after, um, in Matthew 11, it says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you've, you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So my question as I was reading through this is, so what happened to John? What, what happened to John? It's only a few chapters we roll over, and John goes from recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, one of the first revelations of anybody to have that, to a few chapters later, he's saying, can somebody please ask him, are you the one, or is there another? What happened to John in between those two things? And in verse 2 of Matthew 11, and that's where we'll be a little bit, I, there's one verse there that just says this, and you can miss it real easy. It says, when John was in prison. When he was in prison. I started reading a little bit because it looks like that very early on after John baptized Jesus, some of John's disciples went and followed Jesus. And early on in John 3, what it says is, John says, he must increase and I must decrease. Somewhere in there, John, who was very outspoken, was put in prison. This, recorded in Matthew 11, they believe was anywhere from 12 to 18 months later. John was still in prison. There was this time period that happened here. And then somewhere later on, as Jesus' ministry began to take off and word began to spread, and if you've read the Gospels, you know after a while it says Jesus could no longer go into towns or villages because the crowds were so great. He stayed outside and masses came to him. Thousands. So in the middle of all that, you have John stuck and the question he asks is, are you the one or is there another? Now, this is in your notes a little bit. I just want to probe around this. And, and this is, I guess, point number one, if you're following along, is John was in a prison season. Here's what I know. When, when we, myself included, feel locked down or we feel boxed in or we feel like there aren't options, or life hits you really hard, and it becomes disrupted. There's this process where you're trying to recalibrate, like, what just happened? You're disoriented. Maybe it's really hard and you're depressed, or, or it's very deflating news. So, so 
when the COVID stuff broke, it was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, maybe in a few weeks we'll be through this. Things will get back to a normal. Anybody, was anybody there? Was anybody there? And then, then it was like a month, and then you're like, month two, and now you're like, I, there was a point where I'm like, I just got to go find a project. I am, so, I, I am such a combustible mess of frustration and everything else. So we ordered 17 ton of stone and had it delivered to the house and did landscaping. We did. Because it was confusing. It was just this, this, this thing of like, what is going on? What just happened? And, and here's something I know. The longer a disruption happens, the greater the disorientation can become. The longer it goes on, the more unsettled. So just stop for a minute from where you are. Go back to John. 12 to 18 months. Day one. Okay. I can handle this. Day two. Week one. Week two. And we'll get there in a minute, but John's question was laced with so much because what he was asking wasn't just, are you the one? John had such expectations and hope, and he had this vision of what was going this way, and it went sideways that way. And the longer he sat there, the longer the struggle was. Have you ever been waiting for something to come through? You know, Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. There's, there's things that you're like, when is this going to end? When are things going to change? When is this going to get better? When is this aspect of my marriage going to shift? When is stuff in our church going to happen? When are things going to get back to a normal? And at times we just feel, we feel stuck. And you're like, God, what's going on? Are my prayers heard? Are you there? I thought life was like this, but it seems like life's going like this. I thought this is how you worked, but what I'm seeing is this. And right now, I can't seem to reconcile the two. God, what do I do? John was in a little bit of a prison season and a struggle. One thing disruption will do, well, it's really two things. I wrote down, number one, it stops life as you know it. It stops norms and rhythms and habits, sometimes freedoms. A second thing that disruption will do, it will expose what's really there. Let me, let me just probe this a minute. This is not a commentary about masking, not masking. It's not, this is not what it is. But have you ever seen so much heated conversation over stuff? It brings out so much. When, when our life gets disrupted, what's really underneath pushes out pretty quickly. 
The longer the disruption, the more the eruption can happen. So what we really value, how we really think, how things are really shaped, when those things are put pressure on, it's just, hey, it's, oh, it's easy to be nice to people for 75 minutes on a Sunday. Just kind of look around, wave at people just real quick. Just smile at them. If you're at home, just wave at the camera, okay? I don't know, wave at your screen. Just wait. You can smile. You're still good. Jesus loves you. I love you. There you go. But all of a sudden, you're like with people for an extended amount of time, and you're like, they're kind of annoying. Let's just be honest. You're like, really? And God's like, I just want to rub off some of those things from you. That's what disruption does. It pulls out and pushes out very quickly the things we've held to. All it does is reveal what's there. And this was John in the middle of this 12 to 18 months. This was not a week. This was not a long weekend with grandkids where you're exhausted. I don't have any yet. I, I, I told our kids after two weddings in six months, can you give us like five years, please? Please? Mom and I are still recovering. Don't miss or overlook the impact that the current season has on you, nor the opportunity to embrace change. Let me jump down in this, because the question's at the core. So John went in this prison season, and I think we've all experienced or are experiencing, or we've hit those places where we just, it, it just, you feel stuck in one way or another. And he goes down, and so John's hearing what's going on, and his disciples were still attending to him in prison, and the people were close to him, and they were coming back and saying, oh my word, did you just hear what Jesus did? He raised this kid from the dead. Did you hear what Jesus did? He fed 5,000 people with almost nothing. Did you hear what he said? And John's like, this, this in my head, this is what I thought was going to happen, in part. But part of it is, isn't he going to come and change everything? change the political structure, change us being ruled over and dominated. He'd right wrongs. He'd free us from oppression physically. So John sends them and says, are you the one we're to expect? Or is there another? Now, again, John had a firsthand revelation, direct word from God. He saw a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit come down. And he's struggling. The longer a problem or the challenge persists, the more disoriented we can become. But also, here's the great part of this. The greater the potential for change. The the more unsettled the greater the potential for change because what it does is it pulls out all the stuff that can be shaken in you and me, pulls out the stuff that can be shaken in your business, pulls out the stuff that can be shaken in your community, pulls out the stuff that can be shaken in your church to say, who are we really? What do we really believe? Who is God? And how do we do this? See, the the question isn't What needs to happen? The question is, what are we changing into? Because that's really at the core. 
That's at the core. See, during this stuff, I have watched, jokingly, you've heard people, maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't experienced this, but it's the COVID-15. It might have been the COVID-20 in some households or more. Adding a little weight around the midsection. All kinds of sections. We always told people at our house, I have two clothes. I, I, I don't buy new clothes, I lose weight. I have winter clothes and summer clothes. The problem is when you're wearing winter clothes in the middle of summer, then you're in trouble. Can I ask you, during this time where stuff is flexing, and if you're like me, you've experienced a wide range of emotions the last number of months. If you've been in a difficult marriage place, you have a wide range of emotions maybe going on. In the middle of that, what's been your go-to? See, in the middle of crisis, some people will lean in closer to Christ. Some people reach for things that numb and quiet us and can entertain us. I, I give John a lot of credit because he was honest about his struggle. And he said, I'm trying to wrestle through the difference between what I knew here and what I, listen to me, what I feel and am experiencing right now because I've lost some hope, I've lost some direction, and the way I have seen things and the what I was hoping for isn't turning out like that. So I thought about this. So what was John's problem? The question he asked, I don't know that was the problem. Have you ever, you ever had your kids or grandkids ask you a question, but they really they were asking about something else, but they were like trying to soften you up for the next thing they wanted to ask for. John said, at least on the surface, are you the one? But the real thing is, John was saying is, if you are the one, I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in. If you are the one, why haven't you done more to change what's going on around me? His perspective of what should have been happening wasn't God's perspective of how this was going to be executed. His perspective of how things should go and how Jesus should operate was different than what was happening. And the gap led to dis just, just a huge disillusionment, disappointment. You ever been let down really strong? Because what we thought was going to happen was here, and what happened was here. And it's really hard sometimes to bridge those emotions together. Can I honestly tell you, it's, it's, for sometimes the way people think, it's easier to leave a church, it's easier to leave a marriage, it's easier to leave a job than to try to work through that hard gap. The hard gap. Uh, I was talking with, with some of the leadership 
And Pastor Greg, beforehand, and I just said, you know, I, I, I pastored Crystal Valley for eight years in Middlebury, and one of the things I would often challenge our people is, um, as you're working through stuff, if you keep finding some common things in the different areas of your life with conflict or with people, one of the things we have to do is step back and first go, okay, what's happening in this that I keep contributing to? See, God's coming in in the middle of things that disrupt us, and he's not disrupted. God's coming in the middle of things that have disoriented you and I, and he's not disoriented. And it's hard for me to get a hold of that because I'm not God. I have a limited view and a limited perspective, and I have to keep coming back to him saying, God, I need you to reorient this, but I can only do that if I'm being honest. It's interesting. So the disciples go and they ask Jesus, they, they share with Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus doesn't answer it. He says, tell John what you have seen. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed. It's interesting. He went back and he quoted, basically told John, Isaiah 61. The very thing I stated that I would do and the Messiah would do is what I am doing. But it may not look like what you think. It may not come through in what you think. In the middle of transitions like we're in and things that have been disrupted, whether it's in a, a church body life in a marriage life or a situation with your kids or job, I, holding on to promises is very important. One of the aspects I encourage you with is this. Who, who has God said he is? You have to know God's promises. You have to know his word. I, I've been pushing my children, pushing people I, I work with is this. We're not in a season, we never really were, but especially now, 10 minutes a day in quiet time is not going to keep you or reoriented to a God perspective. We, we have to get deeper. You, you have to, this is whole life. Know what God has said he'll do, who he is. Look around you where God's working. It's easy. Listen, if you click social media or you're on the news, about 90% of it's going to be probably what's not right. You have to choose the good. You have to see the good. Know who God is and his promises. Know where he's working. Recognize where he's working. The third one, and this is, this is powerful. Develop a heart of thankfulness. This is not in your notes. Practice thankfulness. Practice thankfulness. Practice thankfulness. Let me, let me pull out an example of something right now where God may be trying to reorient. And, and this, is, this may be very different for you in perspective, and that's fine. But part of this, what God's, I feel like God's been working on with people is through just specifically the church realm is, well, we can't gather on Sunday. Therefore, while we can't gather. And you heard this especially with Easter. I can't believe we won't be able to, to have church on Easter. Last time I checked, 
the church was not a building. That was our gathering place. You are the church. So wherever you are, he is. This may have been one of the greatest opportunities for us to actually live and be the body of Christ within our communities. Letting people know how you're responding differently than everything around you. Or even letting them know how you're struggling in the middle of this and wrestling. For John, the honest question, which I appreciate, was I am at a point where I'm a little stuck and I don't know how to go forward. Jesus, help me. Are you the one? I I know what I experienced over here, but the reality of what's going on around me has been overwhelming, and I'm struggling. In fact, experience around you will overwhelm faith inside you if faith is not currently lived out and fresh. I want to say that again. The experiences around you will overwhelm your faith if your faith is not being lived out and fresh. There's a reason when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it was give us today our daily bread. Today our daily bread. I saw a stat, uh, stats and tracker thing here this week. Uh, it talked about uh, percentage of people that would claim to be following Christ that are in their Bibles on a daily basis, the percentage that are on social media on a daily basis. It was like 70% of people are on social media every day. Only 30% of those people are in their Bible at all. You say, why is that important? Because you're continually defining the perspective of heaven through some filter. And if the filter is not God's heart and perspective, we will get something that's contaminated. And it, it won't be able to see clearly. You won't be able to respond clearly. Your emotions won't be able to be filtered clearly. Now, this is stuff I'm working through still. We never outgrow these things because we never stop living or experiencing things. And God's wanting to keep building a character and a life inside you and I to be able to respond well, to remember his promises, to see his work around us and be thankful. So all the time he's reorienting how we think about church, thinking about how we see our spouses, thinking about our communities. He's trying to shift and change us. I'll share the last couple things with you. The process of change is a pathway through which we have our perspectives altered to see clearly. The process of change is where our perspective, it's a pathway where our perspectives are altered to see clearly and our heart can be worked with. Let me give you a couple of practices as a wrap-up today, and I want to pray with you guys. I don't know how much time you spend actually journaling or reflecting, but I, I want to encourage you to really embrace that practice. Uh, three words, review, repent, it's not a word we often talk about at times, and renew. Review or reflect, repent, and renew. Review or reflect. Let me take this for a second. When you're experiencing these things, what's going on around you? What are you feeling? 
Pastor Bill Richardson, when he was here, when we were on staff together for a season here, one of the things he talked about was the emotionally healthy side, that, that anger, sadness, depression, all those things are triggers of something going on inside you that God wants you to pay attention to, to get to the heart so you can gain his heart, get healing, get wholeness, to be able to live fully. So what's going on around you? What are you feeling? What do you believe about things? What do you believe about God? I I can't imagine John's thought, and even the disciples, part of the discouragement for them is, we thought you were going to lead a physical army to take over and dominate, and we would also get power. Jesus is like, no, I'm leading a massive orientation of serving where you surrender your life and you continually give of yourself to others. Serving, ruling. Ah, kind of want this one over here. Loving people like me, maybe. Loving people that are not like me, no. They were brought in this. So for us, being very much aware of all that's going on, and then learning how to sit with God and say, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Why? And honestly, if we've packed in a lot of things over the years, it takes a while. But there's a reason he says he's gentle. Review, repent. Repent. We may have a very narrow view of that. It's where God, I'm sorry for, but repentance is actually to completely change direction, to completely change thinking. Ask God to help you change. Ask forgiveness where you've been wrong. Say, God, this is how I've thought about this. This is how I've thought about my spouse. This is how I've thought about my community. This is how I thought about that. Wow, God, you're opening my eyes. Help me walk through this. Repent. Renew. Renew. Think on the right things. The right way. Change your intake of what reinforces wrong thinking and living. We have to start reorienting our life around how God sees things, how God thinks about things. And that's a complete transformation. That's why Romans 12, they talk about renew your mind. Present your whole self to God. In the message, I do love the message translation there because it says this, don't go about fitting in so easily into this world without even thinking about how it's designed. We're talking about a complete reorientation of life, but that's what the call of a disciple is. It's to become like the one we follow in every way. And God invites us to a pathway that he also enables us to live. Review. Take some time and reflect and, and journal and, and have, just have quiet. If you haven't done that, it, it's, it's something to never get away from. Repent and renew. I want to read this scripture to you in close, and so um, I'm going to introduce you to both my son-in-laws. That's weird to say. It's still weird to say. 
Um, Anthony and Brad are going to bring up something for me. Yeah, go ahead. As we close, I want to talk about exchange. In Scripture, it says this, Are you weary from carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life. You guys, come here. I'm going to switch you. You can be over here. Come to me. I will refresh your life. For I am your... Listen, this is from the Passion Translation. I am your oasis. Anybody need a little bit of a respite right now in the middle of everything? Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So hold it out. I had told them, I promised them I would not actually make them put it on. It was, it was, it was very tempting. It was tempting. So this is, I got this from a friend. It's a yoke, and um, the, the scripture there, join your life with mine. So if I'm joining my life with you, Greg, okay, I'm leaving somewhere else because my life has been joined. It's, it's the same analogy of when we're told we get married, we leave and join another. And in Romans, we're told this is the mystery of Christ in the church. I can't have more than two things. I also, when I am yoked, when I join my life with, for these things to go well, they walk and flow together. God invites us to this. But there's a process of moving away from and embracing the disruptions. It's saying, God, help me in the middle of this. I've resisted some things. I've numbed out to some things. But he invites us to embrace the disruption and disorientation of life to grow closer to him. Here, you guys, you go ahead and sit that down and you can have a seat. Thanks. I want to pray with you and then I'll, I'll turn it back to Pastor Greg. But... Make no doubt what John thought the problem was was not the problem. It was how John had defined everything. Was it a struggle? Was he wrestling? Absolutely. Do we have struggles? Are we wrestling? Absolutely. But we have to push through and say, God, how do you see this? God, help me change through this. That's at his heart. Let me pray with you. Jesus, today, we want to join our life to yours deeper than ever before. Maybe through this process, I'll give you just a, a few moments to reflect and talk with God, but maybe through this process, part of what's really come out is you're like, I, I feel a little disconnected from God. Today's a great day to renew your relationship to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I need you. Help me see like you see as never before. I put my life, I put my family, I put my job, I put everything I am before you.
I want my life to join yours. Father, would we lean into the times that are discomfort so that we can embrace change? Show us those places. In Jesus' name, amen.